The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Friday, March the 5th, and it's time for a mailbag. But before we get to the mailbag, and if you ever want a question answered in a future mailbag, we'll do one every Friday throughout the entire offseason, I think. Maybe. I don't know. They're fun to do. We like talking about random stuff. We like answering your questions. Maybe you have a football question about a team, a player, a possible trade. Maybe you simply... Want to ask John Breach the proper method for swaddling a child, if that's the case. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we will answer any question you have within reason, of course. Uh, One thing you shouldn't be questioning, whether or not to get Paramount Plus. You've probably seen the journey to Mount Paramount Paramount spots featuring Bill Cowher, James Corden, Patrick Stewart, Beavis, and Butthead. Yes, quite the squad. Paramount Plus is live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. You can go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus. Stream iconic movies like The Godfather, Indiana Jones, and Mission Impossible, plus new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stand. And get this, it's where you can dive into live athletic competition courtesy of us at CBS Sports, including the NFL, March Madness, the Masters, and Champions League, Champions League Soccer, plus stream hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Smithsonian Channel, VH1, and Comedy Central, live sports, breaking news, and amount of entertainment, Paramount Plus, streaming now! That was exciting, wasn't it? Breach Wilson, what's up, guys? John Breach, Ryan Wilson joining me. Hey, hey, hey. I'm excited for another mailbag. I'm excited for Paramount Plus. You get a free month if you sign up right now. One month, absolutely for free. Should you? Yeah, I mean, and by by the way, another reason to sign up, and this takes me back. Debo uh, sort of whetted my appetite, wet my appetite. W H E T. Let's spell that one, Brinson. Real World One Reunion. I watched the preview. I was like, oh my God, this takes me back. That was my jam. You guys are too young for that, but that was. Oh, but I watched Real World. The first episode, the first season was 90, like four, 93, 92, 92. It was 92. Yeah. What do you, I'm not like. How old were you in 1992? 11. Yeah. <laughs> watch an 11 year old watch. First of all, it's 2014. What is 2014? What are you talking about? The real world was 2014. I mean, excuse me. Uh, two, uh, yeah. <laughs> 19, 19, what are you doing? Brenton has never seen the real world in his entire life. That is my takeaway from this. He was watching. I, looked, I, I clicked. Uh, I'd be blushing. I'm so red from playing golf. Um, you were watching Modern Family. The real world was 1992. Road Rules is 95. No, we watched, we watched Real World. I mean, dude, as, at 11 years old, the only thing you're watching is MTV in the, in the early 90s. That's all you're well, watching. I was pumped because after like season three, which I think was San Francisco, I started sort of tuning out. Maybe Boston was when I started tuning out. Because things started getting really crazy for my my old bones, but season one, man, that was right in my wheelhouse. Fourteen to two thousand seventeen, it was called Real World, and then they apparently changed back to the Real World. Yeah, I had no idea it was even still going, not so long ago. 
But anyway, you can check that out on Paramount Plus too. I'm I'm pumped to see that. Yeah, be fun. Um, where's the first season? New York, New York City. New York. Everyone Los knows Angeles, that. Los Angeles, San Francisco, and then I get I think season four. Was season four Miami or Boston? I could be wrong on both. What is Hello. it? Hello. Uh, yeah. Uh, you oh, it was London. I saw that one. That the London one was good too. They had the race car driver who turned out not to be a very good race car driver. Yeah. Oh, and the and the girl who married Chris Hardwick was on or dated him for a while. The model from Australia was on there. She became an actress. I didn't know that we had uh, a real world super fan on this podcast. Wilson, you could literally have your own real world podcast. I like to call How it historian. Not, not a real world super fan. He's, he's Ryan Wilson is. Are you, did you listen to him in the late seventies? Brinson, he knew that the series started before twenty fourteen, <laughs> which is more than I can say for you. A real world dunk. <laughs> Um, that was just me. I was just, that was me reading the prompter. I was just reading Wikipedia and just <laughs> seven. I don't think, I think back to New York might've been like the last one I watched. What year was that? I quit watching that one. Oh yeah. I, was out. I don't think we watched it much in college. Uh, Debo is like, what are you guys talking? This about? is Debo's fault. Cause he started with the, the real world prompt. Hey, about the- way, uh, speaking of Debo. Uh, who's known around the office as a bit of a top shot mogul these days. Oh boy. I don't want to say the exact price that he paid for Steph Curry, but let's say Debo is swinging it. Um, all right. First question. I was going to say that if you want to, if you want an entertaining, uh, podcast to listen to, if you get done with this one, go check out me on the Bill Barnwell show. And Bill and I, uh, we had the idea to come up with NFL top shot moments. Oh my gosh. This top shot. I can't wait for this thing to die. So we did Top Shot for uh, like like what would the 2020 moments have been? Best Top Shot moments from the past, um, and of course future po- possible future. How much is Ryan Finley's win over the Steelers worth? Uh, we eighty thousand. One of my picks was <laughs> uh, Joe Montana beating the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Why would you bring that up? Oh, we missed. Um, I didn't really mention that until now. Uh, the one, what would be your if you had to pick one Top Shot moment from 2020? What would it have been? I think there's three possible answers. Two, maybe two answers. So it's like the most, basically the most memorable moment of the 2020 season. I think it's an easy, an easy choice for first. Can it be a uh, field goal? No. Fire Why turn? What is it? I don't know. I can't even remember what I did yesterday. The Hail Mary from Hail Murray. Oh, that was a good one. Yep. It's an easy answer. And then the other one I came up with um, was DK Metcalf walking down Buda Baker. That's a good one. Like those I are like, like the two most viral. So, were you literally just doing Cardinals highlights and lowlights? <laughs> oh, the Cardinals are my team now, um, as always and forever. The other one was uh, the Cover Zero by the Bill. Had the oh, cover. those are three good ones. Yeah, those three good ones. Um, anyway. I went night. What kind of butthole is paying for the Cover Zero one? Uh, angry Jets fans. Any, yeah, or anyone who hates the Jets. What about Tom Brady saying that uh, J- uh, James Corden could play for the Jets? Did you guys see that? Oh yeah, my top shot moment would be Brady throwing the Lombardi Trophy. Can you do that? Can you do non? We mentioned that one. one. Can you do non-field slash court moments? I mean, you can do whatever you want. We're making it all up. Okay. So, uh, very quickly, just a point of procedure: Uh, Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers quarterback, took an L in the financial column as he was backed down by Pittsburgh and forced to take a low offer breach. Give us the details on how your favorite quarterback and what a what a tangled web you have with Ben Roethlisberger. Went, went to college with him. You want to love him, but he spent his entire career bludgeoning your favorite football team. And Sherry Tangle Webb. It's a love hate relationship. 
So what happened with Big Ben relationship? Of course, on Friday. Well, as we all know, he had the $41.25 million cap hit. We knew they were going to cut that down. We didn't know how. Uh, And it turns out Roethlisberger took a pay cut. He was already going to be one of the mid-range quarterbacks before the restructure, uh, before the adjustment. He was going to be paid $19 million in 2021. The rest of that cap hit was from restructures, and that was $22.25 million that could not go away. Uh, so the only thing they could do was kind of adjust and play with this 19 million. So now Roethlisberger is going to make $15 million. So he took a $4 million pay cut, uh, and then, or a 5 million, or he's going to make 14 million. So he took a $5 million pay cut. And then now that new salary of 14 million is going to be spread out over, uh, this year in 2022. So in the end, the Steelers are going to save about $15 million. And as Ryan will tell you, that $15 million saved on the 2021 cap. And as Ryan will tell you, that is much-needed money because his team is broke right now. I wouldn't say they're broke. They're broke financially, but spiritually, they're well, wealthy beyond your imagination. <laughs> I'm fine with this. Like, Breach was acting shocked and awed that they would make a 39-year-old who can't throw the ball overhand take a $5 million loser, even though he's making $14 million. I think the alternative was to not come back. I mean – you know, Breach likes to yell and scream about Mason Rudolph being terrible, and he's not great. But as I pointed out to Breach in a, in a pre-podcast dunk, they went 8-6 and six with Devlin Hodges, or as I call him, Duck Hodges, and Mason Rudolph. So, I mean, it wouldn't have been ideal, but I don't know if having Big Ben come back is ideal either. But I will say this, and this is fingers crossed what I hope happens. I hope that one of these quarterbacks, and at this point, one of the top five, I don't care who it is, Trey Lance, whoever, Matt Jones, whoever, drops to around 12 or 13 in the Steelers' trade up the only concern is when you're picking 24 there are about 22 other teams that would probably want to trade up to get a quarterback so i mean they're not it's not over in terms of uh, the quarterback situation because i think josh dobbs is an unrestricted free agent so they only have mason and ben on the roster right now so we'll see what happens but it is what it is the, the hopefully they can fix the offensive line get a running back and and then have something of a balanced offense they have a new offensive coordinator who I would imagine he and Big Ben won't see eye to eye because he may not let Big Ben do whatever he wants to like Randy Fickner did. But um, at this point, I mean, we're having the conversation, and Brinson, I'm sure, will ride this horse oh, again. Canada, I forgot about that. Former NC State offensive coordinator who uh, bounced to Pittsburgh, and he's, he's a creative it's been, guy. It's been around. But here's the thing, and, and Brinson, you want to dust this off because I imagine you will. You might have been year too early in your Steelers projection. Ooh. So, Ooh. But if he, if he does that prediction again – uh, win the man. Super Bowl. Yeah. I feel like this year picking the Steelers to finish last in the division will won't be that of a hot that hot of a take. Well you did it last year and you came in last place. So do you want well, to be... that's the Bengals' fault? I was I wasn't wrong about the, the Ravens. <laughs> the Ravens are good and made the playoffs, and the Browns were good and made the playoffs. And Cincinnati just is you know continued its run as being the worst franchise in the in professional sports. Joe Burrow got hurt, Will. Yeah, they hurt him. Breach, they hurt him. <laughs> Zach Taylor hurt him. Zach Washington Taylor hurt him. Offense. Yeah, they threw six the football team. They're going to ruin Joe Burrow, and we are going to all sue them for negligence. I'm going to be a part of that lawsuit. You can't I, want, I want my money late. back. You should sue your father for playing for the Bengals. <laughs> it was the best thing they had going. <laughs> um, <laughs> anywho, let's get to the mailbag. That we've teased for 30 minutes now. Yeah, quick intro. I had somebody tweeting me like, stop wasting time at the beginning of shows. It's driving me insane. It's like, what? That's the show, bro. 
All right. Josh Alvarez via Apple Podcast says, how do you tell a coworker to put on deodorant? Mm. Can Nathan Peterman win six regular season games in the Chiefs offense? What degrees does everyone have? I don't know how to change my iTunes name. Um, <laughs> like that. I guess we'll s- just go around the horn on all three of these one at a time. So, uh, Breach, have you ever had to tell somebody to put on deodorant or I don't, I don't know how you, this is a tough one. Well, I'll go through it real quick, but I, I, I want to say that Josh threw in that he does not know how to change his iTunes name because his iTunes name is literally just 26 random numbers. Yeah. That is why Brunson did not say his iTunes name. Um, iTunes how do you tell a terrible about like registering? <laughs> How do you tell a coworker to put on deodorant? Well, I think so. This depends on how tight you are with the coworker. Like right. me and Wilson, we have to tell Brinson literally every time we hang out with him to put on deodorant. Nobody's offended. Brinson's making the face like you'll get your chance to respond. Nobody's offended here. No feelings are hurt. We give him his deodorant stick and tell him how it works. And uh, sometimes he figures it out. Sometimes he doesn't. But then if you're not tight with them, say you're sitting next to cubicle with them, you don't really talk to them. That's a little different. Maybe you just leave like an, an anonymous note that has like deodorant in it. That would is that legal? Is no, HR? I think that's it. I think that's it. I think what you do is, and not in a not in a mean way, but in, no one sees you do it. But you leave like uh, a deo, like deodorant on their desk or something. And you know, I, I mean, the implication. Otherwise, it's a really awkward conversation. And I don't even know in this day and age if approaching someone like that, if that's like even like an, an HR like violation. Like I don't know if that's you're like you're smelly. I mean, is it? I don't like what I'm saying. Well, first of all, you need to rule out, like, is this any, is, is the lack of deodorant medical, or, religious? Like, there, you've got to make sure you got to cover all your bases. Cultural, the, cultural, the, uh, o- odor ignorance. Like, if that's the case, then you can do something about it. If it's cultural, religious, and for any reason that they don't wear deodorant, you just deal with it or you get a new job. Like, you know, quit your job and, and I, I don't know what you do. You can't say anything then. That's just, it's off the table. Now, if this person is just smelly and doesn't realize it, I think it breaches right. It depends on how close you are. Like, you just, you got to find somebody who can say something. But if you, if you work that close and you're constantly smelling and then you got to be kind of close to them, right? I wonder if you can actually go to HR first, even email them or something to talk to them. Say, in general terms, how would I go about doing this? Maybe you email that question. Or is that something that you as an HR person? Then what know? if you get fired because they're like, uh, we have video of you like following this person around and smelling them. Um, so we're gonna have to let you go. You don't have to go that far. This, this might be the method. You sort of Trojan horse it. You're like, Oh man, like what, uh, what are you, you have like cologne on or like what, what, what's your, uh, you know, what deodorant do you, is that old spice? That won't work. And the guy's like, I don't like you, you find out what they're using. And he'd be like, oh, I've heard about that, but like, you should definitely check out this and give him some, like, a new thing of Old Spice. I would love to see you try to pull that off. <laughs> you gotta find out what the deal is. That's how you find out without being rude first. I, if someone approached me like that, I'd be like, this person's a serial killer. At some point, if it were me, if I'm in the office, like, like, like Will Brinson is your coworker, at some point, there's like, I'm hungover on a Friday and I'm saying something like, dude, you just got to put on some damn deodorant already. Like just, or that person says to you on Friday, Oh my God, Will Brenton smells like a brewery. Can we do something about that? Yeah. that Why do you smell like, like the state of Kentucky? Right. Exactly. I'm getting, uh, uh not secondhand, not secondhand smoke. I'm getting secondhand drunk off of Princeton. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how you tell them as for that stuff. 
what's this? It's it's a tough spot. I mean, you just gotta you either gotta you just gotta buck up and say something. Can Nate would Nathan Peterman win six regular season games as the Chiefs starter? I say maybe and maybe yes. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, we were just talking about Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges winning eight games. Chiefs team's better. Coaching staff is better. Nate Peterman is worse than than um, Mason Rudolph. Maybe he's better than Duck Hodges. I don't know. He's not very good, but I feel like six wins you could pull off. I feel like six would be the over-under if Nathan Peterman was your quarterback for the whole entire season, no matter yeah. who your coach was. With the Chiefs, okay, with with Andy Reid, six is your over-under. I, yeah. I would take the over. I feel like he'd get the six and ten or seven and nine. I would take the over on five and a half. I wouldn't take the over yeah. on right. I would bank on Andy Reid figuring out a way to win the games. But, I mean, I think I don't think this team's winning eight. I mean, this team is going eight and eight with Chad Henney, and he I don't think he's as close to as good as Chad Henney. Yeah, they're going eight and eight with Chad Henney, for sure. Uh, and finally, what degrees does everyone have? Uh, I know Breach, he has 98 degrees. Oh! Ah! That's a good one, Brinson. I don't know if anyone gets that anymore. If Nick Lachey's listening, I he got it. Yeah, it's the Cincinnati guy, right? Yeah, I ran you into him at the Super brother. Bowl. Yeah, you didn't mention you ran into the Super Bowl. You claimed that I ditched you, even though you got lost. That was the that. bright spot of Brinson ditching me at the Super Bowl, and I got lost in the stadium, and I randomly ran into Nick Lachey and a uh, high-profile agent who I will not name. Lee Steinberg. <laughs> hey Wilson, how far away is that Carolina picture behind your head? Like how far away? Like three, three and a half feet. That's how far Breach had to go to not get lost. <laughs> to the door to the press box, and he somehow got lost. And then he ended up in like a luxury box with Nick Lachey. It blames me for it. It's unbelievable. Um, um, real quick, I have a bachelor's degree. In- yeah, in journalism, and I minored in political science. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. I started thinking I was going to be a biology major. Carnegie Mellon, humble brag. I can't wait. Hey, what are you going to do? I started as a biology major at William Mary, and that lasted through uh, one semester of biology 101, and it became clear to me that I was way too dumb to be a biology major. Uh, I thought about doing business, but look at me. I'm not a businessman, and I wasn't getting up early, so I landed on psychology, got by the skin of my teeth. Um, I have a master's in public administration from University of Arizona. You guys may not have known that. I lived out there for a few years. Three degrees. And then, uh, well, here's the thing. I have a master's in public administration. I was all podcasts with me. I know. I thought after that, it's like, oh, I, I should be a professor. One of my uh, professors there had gone to Carnegie Mellon. He goes, oh, that'd be good for you. So I went to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh uh, to get my PhD, and I did the coursework. And then, like, two and a half, three years in, my advisor's like, you know what? You're probably not smart enough to be a professor. You should just get a master's and go on with it. So I have two masters, one in public administration, one in public policy. And then I uh, went to work in D.C., was there for four years. And then that's when I, my life changed when I met Brinson. And here we are, 10 years, 13 years later. And you're still best friends. Yep, except for the part where he doesn't wear deodorant. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I just have a – There we go. That's better. What? What's better? Your mic. I'm glad. Uh, I, I had it turned down a little bit from the uh, podcast with Sully yesterday. Thanks. Um, I guess our producer is falling asleep at the wheel. I'm <laughs> producing today, apparently. I just have an English degree, not even a journalism degree, just an, a bachelor's degree in English. It's pretty. No gets journalism degrees anymore except for each. When I when I went to state, when I started at state, they had this thing called the first year college program. And they encourage people who didn't know what major they wanted to be to join the, to like sign up for first year college is like your, and then you could pick a major and switch to that. What they didn't tell you is that you then have to like, you have to maintain grades good enough to get into a, like different, like, like you could have, when you got into state, you could just be like, I want to be a business major. And they would put you in the business college. 
But if you went to the first year college and then you didn't like have a three, five, you couldn't get into the business school, which is, in other words, what I'm saying is the whole college thing is funny. Like my son is 13. He's about to turn 14. So he's actually four, three, three or four years away from going to college, which is bonkers to me. But uh, put aside, put aside, actually state was cheap for, you know, if you're in state, state is cheap. Um, yeah. William Mary, when I went there was, you know, I was in Virginia, still is there, but it was cheap at the time. Uh, for in-state folks. I was coming from North Carolina. But in general, it's a weird concept to send an 18-year-old away to school for three to five to six years and expect them not to do a bunch of stupid junk that you did. And so, I mean, look, right. So in a perfect world, you get into that program, that one-year program, and keep your you have a 3.0 or whatever. Dude, I lived a sheltered life in Harnett County, North Carolina, in a town that was a dry town. I didn't drink. I didn't curse. Uh, growing up, I played sports. I got to college and I went crazy. I went bonkers. And, and that's you know, sort of what you have to, to, to sort of guard against. Um, but, you know, that's all part of being a parent. Did you drink yourself bald? <laughs> I was bald by October of my freshman year, Breach. <laughs> I had like a Dwayne Wayne Afro when I got there. Uh, and I should say I went to Miami because you guys both mentioned your school. I did not. And not Ben Roethlisberger, Sean McVay, we're both there when I was there. Not the fun Miami, though. The the lame Miami. <laughs> the one What's with that our, supposed to mean? The one with our boss, Eric K. Yeah, like so like some people go to Miami, they're like, oh, like partying at the beaches, throw up to you. Oh, we're on a boat. Oh, sick. And Breach is in like some weird frat lodge in the, in the middle of nowhere. And Let me just tell you. So I have like hoodies that say just Miami. They don't say Miami, Ohio or whatever. And anytime – if I'm in the state of Ohio, everyone knows it's Miami of Ohio. But if you're literally anywhere else in the country, right. everybody's like, oh, you went to Miami? That must have been awesome. Where did you live on South Beach? And I'm just like, I'm going to put you in touch oh, with my house in the woods. And all. Yeah, put you in touch with my friend Jared Dubin, who actually went to that Miami. Right. Uh, so there you go. Those are our degrees. Ryan Wilson has three. Breach and I have – Breach and I squeaked out of college. <laughs> barely. Well, yeah, barely. Uh, this wait, is- wait, wait. Breach – I, Brinson, I think you told us everybody squeaking out. Breach strikes me as someone who didn't squeak out of college. You probably did pretty well. What's pretty? What What Brinson get? Like a two point five? I was, gonna, Bro, I was gonna put suggesting the, that I did pretty well. No, no, I'm asking Breach if he did it better than like a two seven five. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I was saying you strike me as someone who. I was a terrible student. I I I made terrible grades early in my career. I, it is what it is, but Breach didn't strike me as someone. I, I staggered my classes to have pretty much all on Tuesday and Thursday. So I would work hard to get those classes, but then you have like three days off per week where you could just have fun. Brenton, do you I think it took Breach? humiliated to reveal what my freshman semester, first semester GPA was. I would never do it. <laughs> I got a, I got a one eight once. I got a one eight once and my roommate got a one one. And my mom opened my grades because that's when they would send you to grades back then. And I was actually living spending the summer in Arizona with, with a family friend who got me a job just to so get out of North Carolina. And she's like, what, what are we paying for? What, what are you doing? And that's a fair question because I wasn't doing a whole lot. I was, you know, drinking a lot of wine coolers and losing my hair, according to breach. My dad, way, my dad was like, listen, son, you know how the stock market works. When you got a loser, you sell it. <laughs> that's great advice. I'm selling you. <laughs> hey, Brenton, how long do you think it took breach to write a 10 page paper in college? Like two or three weeks. Oh, Months. Give, give us slowy types. We like paid somebody at Google to write it for him. I'm gonna have to turn that in in 18 months because I type extremely. No, slow. I, I got talking type. Boom, took me like 30 minutes. Why don't you use that for work, dummy? Yeah, use that for your pics column. It takes you seven hours. <laughs> You're researching cat gifts. 
All right, next question. The Tom Brady of NFL podcast. Wow, what a compliment from Josh Bretzing. Uh, he says, I love this podcast. Only been listening since August 2020. Okay, right on. Uh, but, it, but it immediately became my favorite NFL podcast. Mailbag question. What are the super friends' thoughts on Ryan Fitzpatrick? Was he a great QB on bad teams, or is he just average? Also, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? So I think me and Breach talked about this. Britson, you may have been you may have been out that uh, those two days. Then we talked breach about teams that Ryan Fitzpatrick makes a lot of sense on one of the teams, uh, or the Steelers. Another team I think were the Patriots, where he would come in and automatically, at least in New England's case, upgrade the offense. In the Steelers' case, upgrade the offense maybe marginally. I think we were surprised because we were talking about where he would fit, and I think we surprised ourselves by realizing that he would be an upgrade for way more teams than you think he would be an upgrade for. So I do not think he's a Hall of Famer, but I do think that he's an underrated quarterback. You look at the teams, he's always been on bad teams for whatever reason. He's been in the NFL for 16 seasons. He has never been to the playoffs, and it's not like he's been the full-time starter uh, for all 16 of those seasons. He's been a backup. Uh, you know, we saw it last year getting benched even though he's playing well. Uh, of those 16 seasons, he's only played on a team that finished with a winning record three times, and one of those three was last year's Dolphins. So... And he got uh, screwed out of a job there. Exactly. And so that would have been, you know, he keeps the job. Maybe they get to the playoffs and it's his first playoff appearance ever. He's never been made as a backup quarterback. So well, he got COVID and that's why he missed week 17. Right. Yeah, but he, but got, he got benched, benched before that. Three they could have gone to him at any point. He would have started week 17, I think. No, they were even better than 3-3. They weren't 3-3. They were winning when he got benched. They brought him back in for the second half of week 16 and he remember he got his face yanked and he won the game. And yeah, he also th- almost beat the Broncos in a game where they brought him in the fourth quarter and then they lost. So this is really taking me back through the old way back machine. But I started Googling this because the thing that I think people forget is that Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm trying to find the, I can't find the link. Um, how, what was the deal that he signed with Buffalo? It was, it was, it was a- Huge. I don't know if it was huge, but it was um, no, it was huge. middle of the road starting money, maybe like top third. It wasn't Six like you're fifty nine million dollars. Okay, he's making nine million dollars, nine nine eight million dollars a year, nine point eight million dollars a year. It was big for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and included, but only had four or uh, twenty four million guaranteed. It was yeah. like it was insane at the time that they did that. And then I, I was looking back on the, the reason I said this is running me through the way back machine is that March twelfth, two thousand thirteen. Yours truly writes a Bills release quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick article for CBSSports.com. And that is the last time Will Brinson wrote something for CBS Sports. Oh my God, we, <laughs> I've written so many articles for CBS. Uh, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I he's just think the, the issue, of course, as is, is Breach noted, is that he hasn't played on any winning teams. Has he been to the playoffs even? No, never. Oh, like, okay. not even as a backup quarterback. That's crazy. So, yeah, he's the definition of a journeyman. Um, and I he's think a, he's an above average journeyman though. Like he's, he's not in the same conversation. I'm going to keep bringing him up because he keeps talking ahead. Chad Henney, for example, Chad Henney's a journeyman and he's serviceable and he played well in that game where he played in. But Ryan Fitzpatrick's the guy that comes in. And I think Breach has talked about this before too. He's better over four games than he is over 14 games. Like you don't well, want him. And what if that's why Flores benched him? Cause he's like, I'm going to beat. <laughs> Fitzpatrick to the punch. I'm not going to let the meltdown happen on my watch. I've seen this guy or like Fitzpatrick is basically Russian roulette where you keep winning and then eventually you lose and it's all over. And, and, and Flores is like, nope, I'm taking the bullet out of the gun. We're not even going to deal with this. I'm just going to put Tua in there. 
so that's that's the that knock on him. That's the downside is, you know, if he's your 16-game starting quarterback, he hasn't proven that he can be good over 16 games. So I don't know what the answer is, but I do think there are a couple teams he could lead to the playoffs if he was their quarterback this year. That's Inclu- the thing. I including think the, the Bengals. Fitz, I think the, the, the phrase that I like to use with Fitz is he gives you a chance. You know what I mean? Like you put him yeah. in there and he is going to give you a chance. You, you trot out fits when you're, you're, you know, you're screwed. And at the court yeah, against the Raiders. Yeah. And he gives you a chance. Absolutely. That's a good statement to have that. That should be on his Jersey. Like there was, he hate me. Fitzpatrick should be, I give you a chance. Where, where does he rank? I need to see where he ranks on career passing yards. It has to be kind of high, right? He played for 60 years. He has, oh, well, this would be surprising, I think. Does he have more? Oh, we'll play more or less really quick. Mm-hmm. More or less passing yards for Ryan Fitzpatrick than Joe Flacco. I'll say more. Hold on, hold on. So I don't know. Flacco's drafted 08. He was drafted 05. Ooh. Flacco's missed some time. I'm going to say Flacco. Flacco is correct. Breach, you were wrong. More uh, or less. How, how close? How close was it? I can't give you the fits number. Can't tell us till the end. More or less passing yards than Steve Young. I'm going to say more because Steve Young came late to the game because he was playing the USFL or whatever it was called. Yeah, and he spent some time on the bench. Correct. He has more, uh, more or less passing yards than Jay Cutler. God, I hope I, I hope more. Let's see. Jay played at 06. He was drafted. When did he quit playing? 18 or something. But he was a starter way long. He was a starter yeah. every year he played. All right, Cutler. I think it's Cutler. Yeah, I'll go Cutler. He has a hundred and Cutler has hundred and fifty six more yards than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, that's like one of those questions I would ask. Yeah. It's so or, close. Or less than Tony Romo. Oh, Romo oh three. Romo got hurt a lot. I'm gonna go with Romo. He was slinging it when he played. But he didn't start until he it didn't took a, it took a while. Took a while, and he's been out of the NFL for three years, four years. Uh, I'll go Fitzpatrick just to be different. It is Fitzpatrick? He has. Ah, I tied you, Ryan. More or less? How close is Fitzpatrick and Romo? Uh, inside of a thousand yards. Okay. More or That's less crazy. than Andy Dalton? More. I'm not even hesitating on that. I'll say Dalton. It's Fitzpatrick. Oh. I won. You lost on Dalton again. <laughs> I was going to go Ken Anderson too, but that's Ken Anderson. Uh, Fitzpatrick, 30th all time with 34,977 right. passing yards. Um, has less than Boomer, less than McNabb, less than Hasselback, less than Kerry Collins. He never, he didn't have a prayer of being a Hall of Famer, but he is a wildly entertaining quarterback, uh, a fun personality. And someone that, you know, I hope is in the league for another 12 or 15 years. Uh, speaking of, I don't know what I put over there. Let's take a break. When we come back, more mailbag questions. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, potentially life-saving mailbag question. Wow. This is from... There's a lot of pressure. I read this one already. Yeah, me too. PNW Life via Apple Podcasts. As someone with a rare life-threatening stress-related illness, yikes, 2020 was a hard year. No kidding. Thankfully, as a generational Seahawks fan, my grandparents had season tickets, when I was needing to take a break from the national news in September, the Hawks gave me much-needed distraction. I started listening to Seattle Sports Radio every day to get my daily dose of happy news. Then the middle of the season hit and Seattle Sports Radio wasn't such a happy place. That's when I discovered the Pick 6 podcast. I have loved learning more about other NFL teams and getting a national perspective. The guys are entertaining, informative, and fun. Mailbag question. As a Seahawks fan, please give me a reason for optimism heading into free agency and the draft. With limited money, limited draft picks, and quarterback drama, things are getting stressful around here. So help me out, guys. I need some happy thoughts. Two words, Russell Wilson. I don't think he's going anywhere. I feel like if you're sticking with Russ, get some offensive linemen, uh, draft a few guys who can play defense. I'm not sure the exact situation salary cap-wise they're in, if they're better or worse than the Steelers. But it, you can you know restructure some guys and create a little breathing room there. But it's not like they're 10 guys away. They're much closer to being in the Super Bowl than the Steelers are. And you have Russ Wilson. So they have DK Metcalf. They have Tyler Lockett. I just think that they need a, an offensive lineman or two and a couple guys on defense. And, and, you know, they're right back in the mix. Now, all that optimism can be thrown out the window. If they do trade Russell Wilson. This is a happy place question. Well, right. And if they do trade Russell Wilson, <laughs> you know, our questioner asked, Hey, we have limited draft picks. Well, guess what? You don't have any more if you trade Russell Wilson. You don't have limited draft picks. Now you have a ton of draft picks because you're probably getting three first rounders, a second rounder, probably getting a quarterback in the deal. You have to uh, get a quarterback. And so all of a sudden you're in a spot where you don't even have to rebuild. You know, like teams get rid of a franchise quarterback. They're in rebuilding mode. The Seahawks, you should just be able to trudge along. So, uh, as long as they get a quarterback, competent quarterback it's not going to be someone who's as good as Russell Wilson unless it's Deshaun Watson uh, then you have a chance but I, I think the Seahawks should be okay look they won the division last year they went 12 and 4 I, I don't see them like falling having the house collapse on them so maybe worst case uh you know because they don't have the money to sign someone they don't have a ton of draft picks 
I don't see them drawing, dropping below like 10 wins next season. So I'd still be pretty, pretty happy if I'm a Seahawks fan. Yeah. I think, I think my reason for optimism would be that like the total worst case scenario for the Seahawks in 2021 is you trade Russell Wilson and you get a ton of stuff back. You have to get a quarterback though. Yeah. But I mean, and not Andy Dalton, you have to get like Sam Darnold better. I'm just saying you could end up getting. Yeah, like you could end up getting Sam Darnold. You could end up getting a high draft pick, any number of things. You're not trading away Russell Wilson for peanuts if that is what happens. And I don't think they trade him. Would you want Tua? I'm just thinking out loud here. Like people like throw Tua in the trade. I don't know if I want him. No. Not for Russell Wilson. Not just straight up. I mean, you get like. If I was sending the Dolphins Russ or Deshaun, I would want Tua back. Yeah, but my, my point is that say you're happy with the, the draft side of the compensation, whether it's two or three or 15 first-round picks. Tua's included because that's going to be your short-term starter. Are the Seahawks one in 10 games with Tua? Uh, I take the picks, and I sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, well, I mean, my question would be if I take Tua back in the trade, is that at the expense of another first-round pick in the future? No, I'm saying you're happy with all the other machinations of the draft. Tua's just an add-on. Yeah, Tua's – but you're taking Tua to be your starter, though, because you need something back in the interim. I think the Seahawks can win eight games with Tua. Yeah, but they're trying to get to the Super Bowl. That's what Russ gives you. But, you know, and maybe Tua could be a good fit in that offense because Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. You're running the ball 50 <laughs> times a game. Tua yeah, doesn't have to do so. anything. That's, that's correct. Anyway, I think the Seahawks are in good shape. You get an offensive lineman, get some help on defense, a couple guys on defense, and keep make Russ happy and let Russ cook. Yeah, let Russ cook. I think I think Russ is having a FOMO moment and is worried about he wants to win six Super Bowls and you know what that doesn't happen. Like, it ain't going to happen in Chicago if that's one of the places he wants to go. Which that that I mean, is another conversation. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Brett Favre, Andy um, Dalton. I'm saying like those like suit, like lock job first ballot Hall of Famers with one title each. Dan Marino, yes. zero. Jim Kelly, nada. You know, yeah, not from lack of trying. You can't all be Joe Montana and Tom Brady, you know? Or Terry Bradshaw as Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, next question. And I hope. Glad, by the way, I'm glad we didn't kill was that, that person. Was that happy enough? I don't know if it was. It's It's sort of like, who was it that told us to, the Texans guy the, earlier this Oh, uh, we had nothing for him. I hope that guy didn't have. A... Give me some reason to hope as a Texas fan. It's like, oh, well. I mean, we tried. We tried. I'm not saying that. I mean, look, Seattle should – the reason for hope and optimism in Seattle is that it is really unlikely that Russell gets traded this offseason because of the cap hit involved with the Seahawks. And it, and so if he doesn't get traded, this team can win a Super Bowl. Like, as long as you have Russell Wilson and you can get to the playoffs, you can win a Super Bowl. And if they win a Super Bowl or they make it to the Super Bowl or they make it back to the NFC Championship game, all this offseason stuff is going to be water under the bridge. Winning cures this stuff. So you need to get Russ back. You need to win some football games. Defense needs to be better. Pete Carroll needs to, you know, throw Russ a bone, I, I guess, apparently, and let him pick, make all the draft picks. <laughs> from a five-star man, Ray from Iowa, uh, says, a national sports radio host today said the Cowboys have been irrelevant for the last 20 years, only to say five minutes later this Reeks of Colin Coward. Say five minutes later, the only reason the Cowboys are relevant is the star on the helmet being America's team, etc. Thoughts on the Cowboys' relevancy? I am 27, so I grew up watching Romo, underrated IMO, check the clutch stats, and a defense that always gave up the big game. But they have had a few great regular seasons between him and Dak, 
and are constantly talked about no matter how they are performing. So the question is, are the Cowboys relevant in the modern National Football League? I mean, like, which? Yeah, they are. They are. Yes. I'm just trying to think, which team isn't relevant? Like, every like maybe the Jaguars, because no one cares about Jacksonville, whatever. The Bengals, the Panthers. I mean, it was like when we were talking about the small market teams that don't get yeah. enough coverage. I mean, the Cowboys. But here's the thing, though. If if Jerry Jones owned the Jaguars, they would be relevant. I think he has a lot to do with it, whether you like him or not. The Cowboys, the, the reason they're America's team is because they get put on national television. When they're on TV, people watch. The highest rated regular season game this year was the Cowboys versus Washington on Thanksgiving. It was the only regular season game that cracked 30 million. That's why the Cowboys keep, keep getting primetime spots. So from a TV perspective, they're absolutely relevant. They're the number one most relevant team from a competitive perspective. Then you can argue about whether or not they're relevant because it doesn't seem like they have been for the past 25 years. So that I, that would be the difference in relevance for me. Because the conversation for the longest time was they can't win a playoff game. Because even when Romo was there, they would get to the playoffs and they would struggle the times they did get there. And they finally won one. Um, I don't remember. When did they win their first playoff game? Um, um, was it 2000? Who? The Cowboys. So when did they finally win a playoff game? They went like a long stretch. Uh, Dak won one. Did Romo? Romo must have won one. Let's see. I'll check it out. You can. Yes. They won. They beat the Lions before the Dez caught a game. That was 2014. Yep. You got it. So um, they, went, they went for a stretch there where they struggled to win playoff games. They also I, beat the Eagles, uh, in 2009. Oh, okay. So here's okay. the deal with why the Cowboys are relevant. And, um, whoever, who asked the question, the guy who asked the question is 27 years old. So, if you're 27, let's see, I'm 39, 1981, 12, which means he was born in like what, uh, 1994. Cause during this guy's entire life, they've never won anything. Right. But, but they the, keep getting primetime games and all that. The reason the Cowboys are relevant is that they had Tom Landry in the sixties and seventies. They won a ton of games and all through the eighties, frankly, with, with Landry. Um, they won multiple Super Bowls and they were managed to put themselves on the, in the national spotlight. Jerry Jones buys the team, hires Jimmy Johnson. They win three of four Super Bowls, three Super Bowls in four years with him between Jimmy Johnson winning two and Barry Switzer winning one. And that was from a 1991 to 1995 stretch. So it's like they were like when I was a kid, it's sort of like we're talking about the real world. It was like it was one of those like hallmarks of your childhood was the friggin Dallas Cowboys always being in. You know, deep in a playoff run, they were battled with the 49ers and all that, but they are, they became America's team because the star and the way that they're marketed and Jerry Jones understands. Well, they were America's team back with Tom Landry. The brand. The Cowboys brand. Right. They've been there forever. Roger Staubach and, and, you know, Danny White and those guys. Cause when I was in in the eighties, when Breach's dad was playing and had a mustache and I was watching them on television, it was always on the NFC, the Cowboys, because it's that yeah. Cowboys 49ers game where Joe Montana became Joe Montana through the pass of Dwight, Dwight Clark. Everson Wallace was the cornerback. And you mentioned that how good they were back then. I just looked real quick. From 96 to 2009, they went to the playoffs one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. And it took 96 to 2009. They lost every time except the 2009 year that Breach mentioned earlier. So they went over 13 seasons, 14 seasons without winning the playoff game, even though they got there seven or eight times. So so the Cowboys have, from 1966 to 1973, they made the playoffs every single year. Yikes. They missed it once. Then from 1975 to 1983, they made the playoffs every single year. 
and they had Landry's Landry was kind of down at the end of his thing. I mean, Jerry fired him. Jerry buys yep. the team. And then from 91 through 96, they made the playoffs every single year and won three Super Bowls in that stretch. And then after Barry Switzer left, they hired Chan Gailey. He made the playoffs in both of his years. I think he was fired after going eight and eight despite making the playoffs. And frankly, it's been Jerry Jones trying to figure something out since then. It was Dave Campo. Then Bill Parcells, then Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips fired midseason for Jason Garrett, and then Mike McCarthy. Like they haven't, they're relevant because they have this rich history. And no matter how good or bad they are, they're always interesting. Like Tony Romo, and I agree, Tony Romo. And we're not saying this because he's our colleague, but like criminally underrated as a quarterback, really clutch. Like he got blamed a ton for Cowboys losses because he wasn't clutch enough. But it was, it was, it just wasn't a true narrative. Yeah, and you had a spot in the 70s where, you know, that's where the NFL was getting big and the Steelers were winning Super Bowls. That's why they're so popular because if you were winning Super Bowls when the brand, the, the NFL's brand was growing, that's how you had a national following. There was a spot from, I think, 70 to 78, five times in nine seasons, the Cowboys went to the Super Bowl. Five times in nine seasons. That's, that's like the only thing even close to comparable now is the Patriots who I think went five times in nine seasons from 2011 to 2018, five times in eight seasons. So, and, you know, we always talk about how dominant the Patriots are. Well, that's what the Cowboys were doing in the seventies. And so just that's how they became a brand. They became relevant and boom, somehow they're still relevant. Yeah. So they are relevant. They need to be better at football. Jerry Jones probably holding them back a little bit on that front. Yeah. Well, he is also, we haven't talked about this days as a general manager, which he still is, I do believe, right? Yeah. He's still, yeah. still running the team. Tried to draft Johnny Manziel. They had to hold him back. <laughs> oh, put the Zach Martin card in. Uh, mailbag question from the UK. Right. From Crisp. How is it possible for a team to, quote, restructure a player's contract so that he receives most of his money as a bonus instead of as a regular payments. Doesn't this go against the idea spirit of the salary cap era? Seems kind of shady. Love the podcast. Listen every day. Go Cardinals. Guy. Yes, that is my name. Americans find it weird. Thanks, Guy. Hey, Guy. Or Guy. Sometimes they go by Guy. I don't know if it's Guy. He could be French. If he's French, he's Guy. He's, he's, he's not. He's British. Oh, it says Great Britain there. Maybe that's to throw us off this trail. France is not the UK. You, you could take the channel from uh, Paris to London. Got you there. I've been to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> By the uh, way, I, I don't know why Debo put this. I, li- I like the question, but I don't know why Debo put this question in here. I don't know anything about restructuring this to what. So I'll let Breach answer. He's the he's the brains who studied in college. Well, let's use Ben Roethlisberger's example. This is not Ben Roethlisberger's contract details, but just as an, a very easy example. Let's say he had this $21 million cap hit. The Steelers want to get it down. So they say, all right, we're going to make Ben, you're going to make the veteran minimum salary of $1 million, and we're going to make the other $20 million into a signing bonus. And so when you restructure it like that, you can make the signing bonus, uh, you can stretch it out, spread it out over the length of the contract. So if Ben has a two-year contract, then now you take an $11 million hit in year one with the $1 million salary and then half the signing bonus and a $10, $10 million hit in year two where Roethlisberger's not even playing. So the problem with that and where you're saying, yeah, this is kind of fishy, this is a little weird, is that if you do that with too many guys, all of a sudden you have uh, five guys in your roster with a $50 million cap hit for 2022 and they're not even playing. 
then all of a sudden you don't have enough money to sign other players. And so that's kind of what we're seeing with the New Orleans Saints right now, where they're $69 million over the salary cap because they just kept kicking the can down the road. You know, we spent the past eight years saying, oh, my God, the Saints are cap magicians. They keep making all these numbers. They keep making all these big signings. They keep restructuring Drew Brees' contract. When are they going to have to pay the Piper? Uh, well, guess what? They're going to be paying the Piper this year because, yeah, exactly. So uh, eventually it is going to catch up with you if you do it often. And, uh, you know, most teams – assume the cap is going to keep going up, which is why it doesn't sting too often because you're getting 10 or $15 million more in room every year. This year, you're not getting the extra room. Uh, so it, it, you don't want to keep kicking the can down the road. Uh, but the Saints, by the way, in the middle of this, actually terminated the contract of punter Thomas Morstead. What? That's where we are. I mean, the Saints are coming into this. We're $50, $60 million over the cap. He's a top five punter in the NFL. That's insanity. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's a really good punter. So it's, it's, um, by the way, I had, I was on with, uh, uh, Zazla and Amber in Miami on the ticket, I think. And, um, they asked me, they're like, so the, you know, the, the Dolphins cut Kyle Van Noy. Are they making room for Deshaun Watson? And I said, yeah, that's possible. But one other thing I think that we should look at with the Saints that I think is interesting is, so they have Ryan Ramchick and Marshawn Lattimore who are taking up 20, uh, over $21 million in salary cap space. Both guys are in their final year of the rookie deals. They are eligible for extensions, clearly. The Saints have no money. I'll be very interested to see if the Saints try to trade one or both of those guys. Like, if you're Miami and you can give up a second or third round pick for Ryan Ramchick, aren't you doing that in a heartbeat? Yes, but what does – if they're still on the rookie deal – you know, that cap, that, that's not hurting you financially yet because you haven't given them the new contract. I mean, I don't know, man. It's with your option. Okay. So it's uh, like, it's, you know, I mean, like, like he has no dead money. Right, right, right. So right. they would just purely save $11 million by getting rid of him. If you traded both those guys, you would probably get either a first or second round pick for them, depending on where it is. Ramchak, and who's the other one? Uh, Marshawn Lattimore. And we're talking about like, oh, yeah. like legitimate. Pro Bowl, All Pro caliber players, and the Saints are just this is this is the pinch that the Saints are in. Is my point is that they're into, like they have two studs on their team that they might not be able to pay because they ran out of all their money because they've been kicking the can down uh, the because well, they gave Taysom Hill sixteen million dollars. Here's the that, thing: Taysom Re- Hill is a sixteen million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty one. Sorry, I just put that out there, Ryan. I know you 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 talked about it. You like to gloss over this part, but the cap, barring a pandemic, goes up, and typically this isn't an issue. And the teams. The teams at the bottom of the table aren't necessarily terrible football teams. I'm going to find it real quick. Uh, the Steelers are down there. Uh, the Saints are down there. But who Eagles and Rams, Chiefs, Falcons. Yeah. I mean, there's no correlation necessarily between spending a lot of money on the guys you have on your roster and winning and losing football games. So I, I think typically the cap goes up, and typically this time of year, before we know the cap, this is what it looks like for these teams at the bottom. And then the cap is a lot higher than it is going to be this year. And, and you have a little wiggle room, you restructure, and you continue to kick the can down the road. And the only thing that can derail you is something like a pandemic. Uh, um, right. What's it What's it called? A uh, God? What's the? Oh, that was the term we were thinking about. Active with- God event? Yeah, an active God event. Exactly. For it. We were like throwing it around early in the pandemic. Like, these guys are going to fire us and use this. Yes. <laughs> that thing. And, and that's the thing here. So right now the Saints are an estimated 63 million under based on $180 million salary cap. Now, if 
Uh, the salary cap had gone up 10 to 12 million like it was supposed to. If there was no pandemic, it would be about 210 million this year. So then the Saints would only be 30 million over, and that's a lot more manageable number. Uh, and if the, if the cap had gone up to 210, the Eagles and Saints would have been the only two teams over the cap right now instead of there being, I think, 10 teams over the cap. So uh, look, it's a huge thing. The Saints can cut Janoris Jenkins. You save $7 million right there. Um, I mean, you could cut Taysom Hill and save five million, honestly. But that, um, you cut Quan Alexander. That's thirteen million. So let's say you cut Quan Alexander, Janoris Jenkins. That's twenty million dollars right there that you save in salary cap space. Uh, you trade or you cut Emmanuel Sanders. That's another six and a half. So like you can. My point being is that a couple of moves, if you were thirty million under, you could easily get to where you need to be. And Drew Brees' number should go down as well if he retires. Uh, after June 1st, end of like 11, something. But I, I obviously have to wait for that salary cap space. Um, on the, I think Breach, you touched on this, but like on the bonus thing, just to wrap it up, it, it feels like cheating to restructure and do all that, but it's bad for the team. Like it, it, when you, when you get, first of all, you're giving away cash to a player up front, which is something teams don't like to do. Like these teams sort of have this, it's like a, it's like a cheat code or I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but like the fact that they hold all this money in, you know, like you sign a contract, you don't, you know, like you, you're getting the money dispersed by the team and they can cut you for any reason. Then you got to sue them to try to get the money back from them. But the, um, it's kept in escrow or whatever, depending on how much it is. And so that bonus money is then spread out across the years of the contract. And if you have to cut that person because they start to suck, it accelerates under the contract. And so while it feels like, it's it's just like it's just like credit card debt, basically. You know, it feel you feel yeah, like you're... the team is would love to, would rather hold to the money so they can invest it. If you have the money, they can't invest it and get the interest right. or whatever yeah. they want to do with it. Yeah, and but like the point being is, if while it's like oh we freed up salary cap space now, it is going to bite you on the back end at some point if you do it repeatedly over and over. And the and the guys who do it, the Saints, Cowboys, and Steelers, Steelers are bad about it too. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Steelers are bad about it. They're always up against it, and they always have to make some decisions, but typically it's not an act of God event, as, as Breach knows. Rams, so, Rams like to mess around with it, too. Rams are up against it, too, and they yeah. don't have draft picks. Yeah, and again, like Ryan said, it's usually you can deal with it in the offseason. The, the, the price will pay, but usually it's not a pandemic cost. Think about the fact that the, the Rams are, and Eagles are taking the, the two biggest dead cap hits in NFL history with Jared Goff and – Carson Wentz and the Saints still have a worse cap situation than both those teams. Like that's insanity. Yeah, and like people are like, why don't the Saints trade for Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson? It's like, no, the Saints can't afford that. Like they don't have any room for it. Uh, all right, so that's uh that's a mailbag. Ryan, you had a hard out at three oh five. We're getting out. At- Boom! Look at that a little wiggle oh, room. Wait, oh wait, I forgot. There's another question that's going to take. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Thanks as always for uh, hanging out, guys. Great mailbag. If you have a mailbag question that you want answered in the future, you can ask us anything. Uh, leave it on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review, and we will get it added. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
heck with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 